Ball Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim, and we are here for the week eight recap. Man, it's week eight. Heck of a heck of a week here in the Big Ten and across the country. Obviously, the the big, big thing that happened this past week in the Big Ten was Michigan beat Northwestern. No, of course, that's not the big thing. The big thing is that Illinois upset Penn State. Crazy game, nine overtimes. We're going to talk about the overtime system here in the podcast on the recap. But before we get into that, make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to leave a review. Let us know how you think we're doing. We'd love to hear your feedback as we get into this. Again, this is the week eight recap. Went five and five, 62 and 22 on the season. And a couple of things I was really dead on. And then there were a lot of things that I completely whiffed on. I really thought USC was going to upset Notre Dame. And that clearly did not happen. UCLA came close to knocking off Oregon. I, th- I think you can make a case that if uh, DTR doesn't get hurt, that maybe they come back and at least tie that game, maybe even win it. But Oregon held on despite the shaky quarterback play of Anthony Brown. They held on. And then some other games that ended up almost getting right on. So Pitt beat Clemson. That was a big win for the Pitt Panthers. They are in the driver's seat in the ACC Coastal. Uh, And then Iowa State beat Oklahoma State. And Iowa State still controls their destiny in that Big 12 right now with that big win over Oklahoma State. The other other out-of-conference one that I I was way off on. I thought Army would be able to limit Wake Forest a bit and they, they would limit the possessions. They did limit time of possession, but I hope you took the over if you bet that game. It was 70 to 56 Wake Forest. I don't understand Wake Forest, Forest, and yet I don't know who beats them in the regular season, despite the fact that their defense is quite awful. I know they got a big play at the end of that game, uh, pick six to, to kind of ice that game, but oh man. And then if you look at the Big Ten games, you know, Michigan took care of business over Northwestern, Minnesota took care of business against Maryland. That was a, a larger margin of victory than I thought 34 to 16. And I, I should have trusted my gut on Purdue, Wisconsin. I was like, I, I feel like Purdue's gonna lose, but I was like, well, but Wisconsin's been bad. Wisconsin, despite the fact that they had pretty much no passing game, beat up on Purdue 30 to 13. Aiden O'Connell was the one who threw a lot of picks in that game. Ohio State just thumped Indiana. And a a big part of that was Jack Tuttle got hurt on that first drive. That was a rough way for them to kind of get going. So Indiana, I I think they're Indy. I don't, I don't think their offense was going to do much even with Tuttle in, but once he went out, it was over. And then obviously the, the big, big upset, Illinois beating Penn state in nine overtimes, clearly Sean Clifford was not right in that game, but they allowed over 350 rushing yards. 
Chase Brown uh, from England came in and he, you know, had another 200 plus yard rushing day. They had a freshman go for over a hundred yards. That defense is in a bad way. And then with their quarterback, not being able to do much, that's going to be a tough ask for them moving forward, especially with Ohio state coming up this week. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go through my big 10 power rankings and then my national top 10 and just tick everybody off. Because quite honestly, I don't, I don't have any idea how to rank these teams and quite honestly, no one else does either, but that's besides the point. We're going to do those. We'll take a quick break. And then I, I really want to dive in to a couple things. I want to dive into the overtime system. And then I want to talk a little bit about James Franklin because James Franklin dropped a three and six after bye weeks. I, I, I think we need to have a conversation about whether he is the guy moving forward to take, Penn State to the next step in and where they need to go. So that's what we're going to do. Let's go through the power rankings. Number one team in the Big Ten. It should be obvious. It's Ohio State. It's clearly Ohio State. And if you try to argue Michigan, Michigan State, even Iowa, listen, watch the Indiana game. I know Indiana is not a good football team, but their defense is good. It was raining, like really raining. Like it was raining sideways at, at points in that game. And it did not phase that offense. Like just flat out did not phase that offense. Travion Henderson has transformed that offense. It is, I, I don't know who's going to stop it. I think if they played Oregon today, they'd beat Oregon by three to four touchdowns. And I have no qualms saying that. Ohio State is legit. And I think is easily... Uh, it firmly in the driver's seat to get to the playoff. Um, number two, and I think it's a sizable gap, is Michigan. Michigan is a good team. They have great pieces on defense. They've got a stud at every level of that defense. They've got no vertical passing game. Cade McNamara, and I've said this over and over, he has got to make take shots down the field. Otherwise, they're going to continue to be one-dimensional, and that's going to be a problem down the road, starting with Michigan State. That's going to be a tough game for them. Number three, I have Michigan State. They were on a bye this week. Uh, Michigan State, uh, I, I really like Peyton Thorne. I think they have a lot of good offensive weapons, obviously Kenneth Walker. But Michigan's going to be a tough game for them this week. Uh, really going to be a real fun top 10 matchup between those two teams. Number four is Iowa. They were on a bye. Number five, Penn State. I didn't drop them too far after that loss, but I think they probably have a lot of room to drop if they start dropping more games, which I think they might, especially if Clifford doesn't get healthy. Number six, I've got Minnesota. I'm, you know, th that screwy loss to Bowling Green, it, it, if it weren't for that, they'd be ranked firmly in the top 20 right now you know they've they, they just beat maryland they beat purdue you know they're five and two they had a big win against colorado i know colorado is not great but it's still a power five non-conference win and also just to the minnesota fans i want to apologize i totally missed that trey potts was out for the season that with a 
really terrible injury. So I want to apologize to them. Still, it doesn't, it se- doesn't seem to matter who's at tailback for them. Their tailbacks still seem to get a lot of yards, score touchdowns, make it, making it easy for Tanner Morgan to just find his receivers downfield. That offensive line is playing really well. Their defense is playing well. Niles Pinckney in, in the middle of that defensive line is playing some good ball. So I got Minnesota at six. Wisconsin at seven. Uh, they beat up on Purdue. And they've got a, a really a game that might determine the West with Iowa next week. I, I think Minnesota is going to have something to say about that. But if Wisconsin beats Iowa this week, they are in the driver's seat because they'll control their own destiny because they still have to play Minnesota. And so that's going to be an interesting game. Who's going to control the West? And and I'm not sure who, who will win that game because right now they seem like mirror images, except that Iowa lost to Purdue and Wisconsin beat Purdue. But then I guess you could, you could flip it and say, well, Iowa beat Penn state and Wisconsin Lost to Penn State. So we'll see. Number eight's Purdue. Not going to ding them too much. You know, Wisconsin's got a good defense. They're coming off a big win. I'm not all that surprised, quite honestly. But they got to they gotta rally the troops here because things could go sideways for them pretty quickly. Number nine, Nebraska. They're on a bye. I think it speaks to the bottom of the Big Ten, quite honestly, that they're at number nine. Uh, we'll see how they do moving forward they're three and five feels like a lost season they still have to play ohio state and they still have to play iowa still still have to play wisconsin like this is going to be a tough tough road for nebraska number 10 is maryland they lost to minnesota I, i can't say i'm surprised this feels like what they do every year they start out hot seem to do well and then they just kind of crater so we'll see they, they've got a couple of games that I think they can win and, and possibly get to bowl eligibility. You know, they, they play Indiana, they play Rutgers. And I think both of those teams are, are, especially if Indiana can't get Jack Tuttle or Michael Penix back, I, I think Maryland might at least be able to get to six and six. Illinois, I have at 11. I, I think they're probably one of the, if not the least talented team in the Big Ten, the, the second or third least talented team in the big 10, but you got to give Brett Bielema a credit. You know, he fired up his boys, you know, he called out his offensive line this week and they just took it to Penn state. And now they have two wins that I don't think a lot of people thought they would have. Uh, they, they have the win against Penn state and they have the win against Nebraska. So good for Illinois. Good for Brett Bielema. Number 12, I have Indiana. I think they are a better team than this if they have Michael Penix or even Jack Tuttle, but they have just, they've played five good teams and lost to all five. They've played Iowa, Cincinnati, uh, Penn state, Michigan state, and Ohio state. And they kept it close with a couple of them. You know, they, they couldn't score on a couple of them. And then against Ohio state, they it just completely derailed. So I, I've got Ohio, I've got Indiana 12, Northwestern 13. 
Uh, they lost to Michigan 33 to seven. And the only reason why I have them 13 is because they beat Rutgers by two touchdowns. Rutgers is number 14. I hate to put Rutgers in the basement. I do think they've made improvement, but I think compared to the rest of the big 10, I'm not sure Rutgers wins another game this year. Um, I hope they prove me wrong. Cause I love Greg Schiano, but that's, those are my power rankings for this week. Let me give you the national top 10 before we take a break. Number one, the clear number one, the only number one pick is Georgia. For anyone who tries to argue that, stop it. Watch their defense. They're incredible. Everything else, I feel like you could just kind of throw things at a wall. I'm going to put Oklahoma at two, which pains me because they got shut out by Kansas in the first half. Kansas is terrible. Like they're, they're, awful awful but oklahoma you know they they were able to stick with it they won i will drop them if they start losing that's kind of how i feel right now um they have a lot of good teams to play at this point and i still think oklahoma has maybe outside of ohio state and alabama the most opportunity to be explosive on offense with their playmakers. They've got Kennedy Brooks in the backfield. Their receivers are really good. Uh, Hazelwood and, and Mims. And then you want to talk about, you know, a, a guy who I think is going to be a stud and Caleb Williams at quarterback. So I, I, I have Oklahoma at two. I have Oregon at three. Uh, similarly they have struggled they lost i know to stanford but they have i think the best win in college football right now which is a win over ohio state and listen i i i get it but i i get that oregon struggled against ucla i get that oregon struggled against cal Similarly, I, I'm not going to take them down from this spot until they lose. I think they will, but I think they have proven themselves. You know, UCLA is a decent team. And if not for Anthony Brown trying to give that game away, you know, Oregon was probably a good two touchdowns better than UCLA. And UCLA is decent this year. So I've got Oregon at three. I've got a toss up at four and five between Ohio State and Alabama. And on my sheet, I have Alabama. I'm actually going to go Ohio state number four. And the reason why is they've played some decent defensive teams. And over the past four weeks, this offense has been unstoppable. And I think they're just scratching the surface. Alabama and Alabama has the better win against Ole Miss. So I, I want to acknowledge that I'm going against my typical ranking system here, but I'm not sure any defense can slow down Ohio state, including Georgia, Alabama sputters at times against competition that they shouldn't sputter against. They pulled away against Tennessee. They won by four touchdowns, but you know, they were, they were close in the fourth quarter and that Tennessee team, they're okay. You know, they're average, you know, they lost to Pitt before I was as Pitt's really good. They lost to Western Michigan. Sorry. Tennessee's okay. 
So I've got Ohio State four, Alabama five, Michigan six. Again, I think their line play is great. I think their defense is really good. I think their vertical passing game is weak. And I think that's going to come back to bite them. But really respectable still, 7-0, and going into a big-time showdown with Michigan State. I've got Cincinnati at 7. And before Bearcat fans get upset with me, listen, I saw Cincinnati struggle with, with Indiana. That's the second best win on their schedule. And if not for Micah McFadden getting thrown out on a bogus targeting call, Cincinnati loses that game. I just saw Ohio State just run rough shot on the Hoosier defense. Not only that, I've seen Iowa put away, uh, put, put away the Hoosiers. I've seen Penn State put away the Hoosiers. I've seen Michigan's, Michigan State struggle against the Hoosiers. So I, I think out of all those teams that have beaten the Hoosiers, Cincinnati's the like the fourth. Uh, they're fourth in terms of most impressive against them. Like I like Cincinnati. I think they're good. I think they play any of the teams above them. They get beat by two touchdowns minimum. And that might be unfair, but they're not in a power five conference. They don't play anybody. They just struggled with Navy. And unlike a big 12 schedule where at least you're going to get Baylor and Oklahoma state and Oklahoma and Iowa state, they got nobody. So Cincinnati seven, I'll say this. If they make it undefeated, I will stump hard for them to get a, a playoff spot. But in terms of how I'm ranking them right now, I, I can't justify Cincinnati above anybody. And, and quite honestly, it was hard for me to justify them above my number eight team and my number 10 team because of the criteria I just said. So eight, I have Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss would beat Cincinnati. But I, I do want to respect Ole Miss doesn't nearly have the wins. They haven't been nearly as impressive. I think they're really good. But I, I still think, I, you know, I want to give credit to Cincinnati I think Ole Miss, I also think Ole Miss probably has another loss or two in them before all is said and done. But I've got Ole Miss eight. They're a really good football team, really good offense. Matt Corral is still legit. Number nine, I have Michigan State. Uh, again, they're hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. And number 10, I have Iowa. Uh, you know, you've got to respect Iowa's wins. You know, Penn, the Penn State win doesn't look nearly as good as it did. The Indiana win doesn't look nearly as good as it did. But they beat those two teams. They beat Iowa State. And the Iowa State win now looks quite a bit better. So I, I think I think they, again, Iowa has a really good opportunity to keep moving up into the rankings if they can keep winning. Because I think teams ahead of them are going to lose and they're going to just sneak up and at least have a shot at the end of this if they, if they keep winning. Teams that just missed the cut, Wake Forest, uh, they're undefeated in the ACC. They've got a good offense, but I'm not all that impressed, but you got to respect that, the, that they're undefeated. Texas A&M, look, don't look now. Texas A&M looks legit. I know they, they lost to Mississippi State, but they have a win over Alabama. They are 6-2, and two, and they look phenomenal on defense. 
and they're starting to figure it out on offense. Notre Dame and then Kentucky, you know, I think those are my, my four teams kind of just missing the cut. So that, that's my, my power rankings, my top 10. Let's take a quick break, and then we will be back to talk about James Franklin and the new overtime system, which left a lot to be desired. We'll be back on the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Anybody else confused by the new overtime system? I was. I I. I had forgotten that they changed the rule. And so just for those of you who aren't familiar with this, the way it used to be, it used to be that each team would get a chance from their opponent's 25 yard line to, to score. And they, the, the first team would do it. And then the second team would get a chance. And then if the second team outscored the first team, uh, then they would win. And if the first team outscored the second team, they would win. And then if they were tied, so if they both scored a touchdown with an extra point, they would keep going back and forth until there was a clear winner. So that was the, that was the original system. And they changed the system. So now that the first overtime is normal, so from the 25-yard line, and then you can kick an extra point. The second overtime, you have to go for two if you score a touchdown. And then starting with the third overtime, you just start alternating two-point conversions. And just as a note, for the, for the way it used to be, starting at the third overtime, you'd have to go for two if you scored a touchdown. But that was it. Now it's once you get to the third overtime, you just alternate two-point conversions. That's it. And I don't know if they realize that if you get two teams who are incredibly incompetent, how annoying that is, but that's what the Penn state Illinois game was on Saturday. I think in seven of those two point, so there's a total of 14, two point conversions. And out of those 14, three were converted. It felt like it was like watching the grass grow. It was painful to watch. And what I think what was more painful was the coaching, which we'll get into that. But the whole reason behind the switch was to speed up who the winner is. And I get that. And part of it, I think it was the seven overtime game with LSU and Texas A&M. It score ended up being like 73 to 70 or something. It was ridiculous. I loved that. Like as a no, as, as long as that game went and it went long, I thought it was fun because you still have elements of the game to, to dictate who wins that game. this whole two point conversion thing's just dumb because at this point it's just like, well, who has the better offensive line and who's got the better running back? Who's got better this. And then if, if nobody's competent, then it's just a lot of failed things. You know, if you can't get three yards, then nobody should win. Like that was at, at, I think at overtime five, I'm just like, nobody should win. They should not, there shouldn't even just be a tie. They should both lose. It should be a forfeit. It was, it was crazy, but I, 
I felt like they changed the overtime system. I get that it's it's probably helpful for player safety. You know, you don't you don't want guys playing for six hours. That would be that'd be not helpful. But I, I just wonder is there a better way to do it? Is there a better way to to have that? I still, you know, maybe you go back to having ties. I don't know. I, I, I would go back to the, the original system in a heartbeat or not the original system, but the, the previous system in a heartbeat, I think starting at the 25 yard line, I think that would be good. I always, I've always felt too, that maybe the first overtime should actually be starting from your own 25 yard line or starting with the kickoff. And then if, you know, alternate possessions. And if neither get it, then you go to the 25 yard line. Cause at that point you get to still incorporate special teams like kickoff return and punt return and, and stuff like that. So I would change it that way, but I, this two point, this two point conversion thing is stupid and they should get rid of it. And it, I, it, maybe I'm just biased because I just saw the worst implementation of it. I just can't believe that just how utterly incompetent Illinois and Penn State. I, I can understand Illinois. Illinois is not a good team. But Penn State just, I just could not understand what they were trying to do, which brings me to James Franklin. James Franklin has been a, a really good coach for the Nittany Lions. Like there's, there's no doubt about it. He has been a, a really, really good coach for them. You know, if you look at his, his record overall, he's 80, 89 and 45 as a coach at, at Penn state, he is 65 and 30. He has four top 25 teams out of the eight that he's coaching. And currently Penn state is in the top 25. I think they're ranked 20th. He's had three top 10 finishes. He's three, three and three in bowl games. He has a big 10 championship game. And honestly, he's one of the few coaches that has been able to really be a thorn in Ohio state side, at least in the big 10, you know, going back to when he came to Penn state, you know, they, they forced double overtime in 2014 when they had no business to with Ohio state. You know, in 2016, they obviously get that blocked field goal and they, they beat Ohio State, get to the Big Ten championship game, win the Big Ten. The following two seasons, they're within a point of Ohio State. And then, you know, they, they went 11 and 2 in 2019 and, and made it respectable with Ohio State. And then, of course, last year, I think you, you just throw out. Last year was, was just a weird year. And so James Franklin has, has, done a good job at Penn State especially considering the unprecedented success at one of his divisional rivals right like it's the same thing with Jim Harbaugh like Harbaugh has been good at, at Michigan and people give him a lot of crud for you know not being quote-unquote good enough but both Jim Harbaugh and James Franklin have to deal with the same thing and, and it's that ever since Urban Meyer took over at Ohio State they have been a death machine in the Big Ten Ohio State doesn't lose Big Ten games. I think they the only Big Ten team that has beat them twice in the past 
nine years is Mark D'Antonio's Michigan State squad. That's it. Yeah, Purdue's gotten him once. Iowa's gotten him once. Penn State's gotten him once. And then now Ryan Day hasn't been beaten by a Big Ten opponent. That's five Big Ten losses in nine years for Ohio State. And that's who you have to beat to get to the Big Ten championship game. Like, that's that's absurd. It's crazy. So that's what James Franklin is dealing with. So we need to recognize that as we talk about James Franklin. But here's what concerns me about James Franklin. He constantly loses games that he shouldn't, either after a loss or after a bye. And it just so happens that this was a loss after a bye and a loss after a loss. And so the, the loss to Iowa, you know, it makes sense, right? The loss to Iowa is, is totally understandable. Iowa's a tough place to play. Your quarterback got hurt. You know, totally makes sense. Here's what concerns me is that after that bye week, you know, I know you've got Ohio State lurking. And I know your quarterback's hurt. And I know PJ Mustafer's down. He's out for the season. He's a big part of your defense. You allow over 350 yards to the worst team in the Big Ten. 350 yards rushing. And you can't score more than 10 points in regulation? Like, I don't care if, you're, if your starting quarterback isn't good enough or isn't, isn't right. I, so I shouldn't say good enough. I think Clifford is good when he's healthy. I, I don't care if your quarterback is hurt. Like, get your backup ready. You had two weeks for this. You got to do something. Like, you, ca- you cannot lose to Illinois if you are Penn State. Like, we're not talking about a, a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team. We're talking about a bottom feeder that has no talent that Brett Bielema just called out and said, our offensive line stinks. You're at home. It's homecoming. And you can't run the ball. You can't run the ball. You can't stop the run. Like what, who's, whose coaching job was this? Cause this was terrible. I mean, this, and, and, you know, I've talked a lot about Scott Frost and how he plays down to competition. I've come to expect that from Scott Frost. But Nebraska doesn't have the talent that Penn State does. Penn State has a top 15, top 10 talented team. And you're losing to an Illinois team that quite honestly is nowhere in the same ballpark. You know, they, Illinois threw for 36 yards. They turn the ball over three times. How do you not win? That it, and that my concern with James Franklin is, I, and I get this, this Penn State team is good, but it's flawed. And I've been saying it for, for weeks now. They've struggled to run the ball. They've struggled to stop the run. They, you know, they have to rely on Jahan Dotson. But listen, they have good receivers. They have a good tight end. 
they've got a decent offensive line. I, I think the interior struggles, but Rashid Walker is, is still really good at that tackle spot. How do you not design a game plan to beat this team? And I, I think there has to be real questions now. This is year eight for James Franklin. You can kind of throw out last year, but what's going to happen this year? Are they going to get to seven and five or eight and four? Because they still have to play Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. At least two of those are, are guaranteed losses. Like, I, I think the Michigan-Michigan State game is a lot more intriguing than the Ohio State-Penn State game is right now. It's going to be a bloodbath on Saturday. Like, and even if James Franklin was caught looking ahead and this team was caught looking ahead, listen, Travion Henderson might run for 300 yards if he plays late into the game, which I don't think he will. This defense has a lot of questions to answer on the, on the run defense. And I don't care. I mean, their back seven is great, but if they can't stop the run, it is going to be a long, long second half of the season because every team left on their schedule, barring Rutgers, can run the ball a little bit. Like even Maryland can run a little bit. So you got to deal with Michigan State, Kenneth Walker. You got to deal with Michigan, Blake Corman, Hassan Haskins. Ohio State, Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Master Teague. I mean, they're all far superior to Illinois' rushing attack. And so Franklin's got to get this figured out quick, or otherwise he's going to be looking at possibly a 500 season or at, at maybe at best an eight and four season or a seven and five season if he, if he can get a win over one of those teams. And then at that point, you're saying the last two years – you know, he, he's gone four and five and now six and six, seven and five, eight and four. Is he going to be able to hold that recruiting class that he's got? I, I don't know. And so the, I, I'm not calling for James Franklin's head. But maybe if he has a job offer to LSU or USC, you let him walk. Because right now, I'm not sure if he's the guy to help them get over the top right now. So we'll see. I, I, I like James Franklin. I think he's a great recruiter. I don't think he's a great game managing coach. And that's a problem because you need both. You need a great recruiter and you need a guy who can actually coach in game. And James Franklin has repeatedly laid eggs in preparation and motivation. And he has laid eggs in game management and execution. And that's firmly on him. And he's got to deal with that. He needs to own that. So I really hope I'm wrong. I hope it's a good game this Saturday. But if they can't stop the run, I think the Ohio State-Penn State game might look a lot like the Ohio State-Indiana game. And that's no disrespect to Penn State. But if, if Clifford is injured and their offense can't muster up anything, and their defense is that porous against the run, it is going to be a long, long, long night. And Ryan Day, he knows better than anyone, a night game on ABC, national television, 
for recruiting, for street cred uh, in the playoff. That's when you want to shine and he is not going to hold back. So that that's my thought. I love, I love my Penn Staters. Love you guys, but got to ask the question, is James Franklin right moving forward? That's it for the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. We're going to do week nine picks coming up here later this week. I'm Zach Guggenheim signing off. Have a good night. God bless. <laughs>